Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. You guys are awesome, man. We love doing this. We love everyone who's been able to reach out and say, hey, the podcast has blessed us, has helped us. So um, thanks for being here again. Today, we're going to, I want to ask you a question, but what does it take to be a healthy Christian? What does a healthy Christian look like? We're going to cover um, five or six things uh, that represent a holy, uh, uh, a healthy Christian and a holy Christian, but a healthy Christian. So number one is things you, uh, and this is something where you can examine your life. A lot of people, if you approach the word with a, I've heard this before mindset, you know, there's two types of knowledge. You can listen to Kenneth Hagin for a year straight and you can hear him tell the same stories and the same things. And you can say, Oh, I know this, I know this, but then we can ask, why isn't it working? for you like it was for him. And it's because you may know it in your head, but he knew it in his heart. So you may have heard these scriptures before. You may have understood these before, but you really need to look and say, is this something that's operating in my life? And so we're going to go over this list of five or six um, areas where if it's missing, you have to then say, hey, I want to be healthy. I want want my life to line up with God's word. But number one, is giving. You know, giving is a heart thing. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Ultimately, God looks at the heart, but there's actions that sh- that prove the heart. Giving is a proof of love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 1 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 9 also talks about how giving proves your love. As a husband, my wife's birthday is coming up here on the 26th of this month. But as a husband, if I uh, tell my wife I love her, but when her birthday time comes around, I don't have anything to show for it. I can afford to get her a gift, but I don't take any time. I don't think of anything. I don't plan anything. I don't make any surprises. There's nothing like that. If that's the reality, then how much do I actually love her? I love her in word but not indeed. God's looking for actions of love. Giving is one of them. Giving, I mean, we could spend a couple podcasts on this, but giving, God doesn't need your money. Yes, the gospel moves by it, but God will get it done anyway. You know, I realize that with favor, you don't actually need money, but God gives us an opportunity to get involved. Um, someone came and paid off our house. I, someone came and paid off our house at the uh, end of last year. I didn't need to go out and make $80,000, but someone came and just put their, put the money down and paid for our home. So that was favor. That was the blessing of the Lord, but it, there was no money that passed through my hands. It was just from them to the house. But giving shows your heart. When you go, when you decide, man, I want my money to have eternal fruit. I want to put my money to work in the kingdom of God. You'll start to see breakthroughs in your life, but it's actually a proof of your love. First Chronicles chapter 28, it said, David, because of his love for the house of the Lord, he couldn't build the temple, but he said, I'm going to pay for it. And he poured, pulled $4 billion out of his, he emptied his, his own personal treasury to be able to see the house of the Lord built. He said, because of my zeal for the house, because of my love for the house of God. So number one, is giving. It's a hard thing. It proves your love. Um, and then give to good ground. Let me just say this because practically people are like, well, I give to the SBCA and I give to this little charity over here. You need to give to the gospel. You need to give to a church. You should be tithing to a church that wins souls. You should be giving to, to people that reach reap the harvest, giving to the traveling ministry, giving to a local church, giving to the gospel, giving to the fact that people 
feeding programs are good, but they're not as important as, as the gospel being being proclaimed. At the end of the day, if you ask someone, man, uh, what was more important to you, getting fed food or getting receiving Jesus Christ? All of them will look back and be like, I would rather have died a starving man with Jesus in my heart than died a full man without him. So number one is giving. Number two is study. Mark four, Mark chapter four, verse twenty-four. And this is the Amplified. And he said to them, Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. For to him who has will more be given, and from him who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. You know, your study of the word, even if you're not planning on going into the ministry, as a Christian, you can't walk in dominion in area if you haven't studied it and had revelation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You should be spending time in the word every day and studying. Yes, some people just read and they read five chapters, six chapters, seven chapters, one chapter, two chapters. But even beginning to study where you find a topic Man, let me study the grace of God and see what God intends me to see. Let me study purity and, and, and see what the promise is. Uh, let me study what, you know, you can do a Bible study on what God hates and see what God hates, right? And begin to see. Let me do a study on unity. I'm doing a study on unity right now. Pretty powerful stuff. But it's your study of the word. The, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear is how much virtue and knowledge that will be measured back to you. So number two is study. Number three is worship. John 4, 23 um, says the father seeks such to worship him, but the hour is, but the hour comes and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeks such to worship him. Man, anything that God, the father is looking for, I want to do. If, if it, the Bible says, Hey, this is what, this is what pleases God. The Bible says a joyful, cheerful giver pleases God. Man, I want to please God. If worshiping in the spirit pleases God, there'll never be a time in your life where there shouldn't be a love relationship between you and Jesus, between you and the Father, between you and the Holy Ghost. You can worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You don't worship angels, but you worship the the Trinity, the three parts of the Godhead, right? But worship is such an important part of who we are. It's one of the ways we get over into the Holy Ghost. It's a time when the Lord will speak to us. It's where we can cast our cares and our burdens on him. Worship is such an important part. The next thing is souls. The Bible says in Proverbs 11, verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. The amplified version of that is pretty awesome. It says he gathers them unto eternal life. He gathers fruit unto eternal life. You know, when you look at your time on earth, time is short. But if we want anything to show, we can't take the money that we made with us. We can't take the friends that we made with us unless we've won souls. You could have best friends and be like, you know, life's people like life's all about relationships and family's the most important thing. And it is. But man, what a tragedy if you go to heaven and all your friends and all your family go to hell because you never preached the gospel to them. What a tragedy. You had them for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, and then they spend eternity in hell because you weren't willing to step out. Um, I know we speak, uh, we don't pull punches here. And, and some people are like, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be motivated by not wanting to go to hell. But I think it's actually healthy. I was listening to a, a psychiatrist, and not personally. I wasn't like in a couch with my head on his lap. I was listening to a guy named Jordan Peterson, who's a well-known psychiatrist. And he said that in the studies they did of, of uh, mice or rats, they put him in this little maze, and they would like get him to run through this maze. If they put a block of cheese at the end of the tunnel, they would like move faster than if there was no cheese because the smell of cheese 
gave them some motivation. If they took the cheese out, but they put it the whiff of a, um, a cat coming behind them, they would move even quicker than the cheese. So fear was a greater motivator than the cheese. But if they put cheese at the end and the smell of the predator behind them, it was the maximum speed of this animal moving forward. And I know that sounds crazy why you're talking about um, fear. But part of the reason I want to go to heaven is that I do. I'm, I refuse to go to hell. There is no neutral. There's no like, hey, heaven, hell, or like just fade to black, you know. It's just a white screen and you sit in this empty room with nothing in it, right? That's not how this works. The, the, the motivation for you to win souls is that you want people in heaven. I don't want any of my family going to hell. And the Bible says that I'm gathering up fruit unto eternal life. Man, it would be a shame if I got to the end of my life and I had nothing to show for it. The Bible says that he'll wipe away tear from, tears from people's eyes. But there are people who their works will pass through the flame and there'll be nothing left. And for other people to come back, it'll come back gold and diamonds and precious gems and there'll be fruit in eternity. So God commands us to win souls. It's called the great commission. I firmly believe, and I need you to hear me on this, that you cannot be a Christian the way God intends you to be without winning souls. The Bible says no greater love is this than a man lays down his life for his friend. And it also says that love fulfills the law. But if you love someone, you don't, what's more important? If you had to choose when you love someone, what's more important, them going to heaven or are you giving them everything? You know, if you gave them your house, you gave them this, what in the long run, in a thousand years from now, what's more important? You know, I, as crazy as it sounds, I would rather have all my friends, if I had to choose, I would rather have all my friends die of hunger on the streets and make it to heaven than, than live in a palace and make it to hell. Honestly, now we don't have to choose. People can be blessed. We don't have to choose. There are other acts other than preaching the gospel. But the most important message on planet earth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every believer needs to be a soul winner. If you don't know how to be a soul winner, at the River Church, we can teach you how to be a soul winner. The next one is pursue peace. So Hebrews chapter 14, this actually takes me into my last two pursue peace, but it says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will ever see the Lord. Number one is, well, I guess it's number five, but pursue peace. You know, you should be at, at, at peace with people. There shouldn't be strife in your life. If there's strife in your life, you're not a healthy Christian. You need to get rid of strife. You need to get rid of competition. Competition kills brotherhood. It's not good for your life and for your soul. You being at peace, the Bible says to to uh, show love. The greatest things is faith, hope, and love. Our love towards other people. He says, how can you say you love God and you who you can't see, but you don't love the people that you can see? Our love for the, for the children of God, our love for people proves our love for God. It is a proof uh, of, of us being at peace is a proof of our relationship with God. You know, when God comes and touches your heart, it doesn't just change, it doesn't just change your circumstances, it changes who you are. I remember uh, in my teenage years pressing into the Lord and, and seeing the Lord like move on my behalf and really touch me. And I was like experiencing the presence of God for the first time consistently. And during that time, I was still living at home with my mom, but it was that time where the Lord was putting things in my heart like, hey, wake up a little bit earlier and do the dishes. So when your mom comes downstairs, things that teenage boys don't think about. But when your mom comes downstairs, that the dishes are done. So I would wake up and I would do the dishes and I would wake up and I would hear my mom wake up and I would start the teapot and then I would make her tea. So by the time she came downstairs, her tea was waiting for her. Like stuff that people don't, and you wonder why I'm a good husband. (laughs) Humble too. Um, I'm kidding. I'm having fun. 
But things where the Lord will put on your heart, man, forgiveness, walking in forgiveness. People who walk, this all goes into make, uh, being at peace with people, but people who walk in unforgiveness, the Bible says if you can't forgive someone else, God can't forgive you. Not that he doesn't want to, but he actually can't because you're using a level of judgment that he can't override. You're judging others to a standard and then he's going to have to use the same standard on you. That the standard of unforgiveness, and so the um, the the that's number five is be at peace, pursue peace. Hebrews twelve fourteen, and then it's the second part of that verse. It says, "Make an effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord." I was talking to a friend the other day, and he was asking me questions. He said, "What's the difference between righteousness and holiness?" Righteousness, and this is important to know. Righteousness is who you are as a born again believer. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. The moment you got born again, and you said, "Jesus, be my Lord and Savior," your the blood washed away your sins, and the cross dealt with your nature. You went from being a sinner to a to a to save by grace. You became a new creature, right? According to so, you have to think of it this way: on planet Earth. There are, there are humans and there are Christians. What's the difference? Well, you passed from being a normal human, which has fallen, to being a new creature, a new creation. So you can imagine if like a new species of something was just discovered, new species, species of intellectual being was just discovered. That's what Christians are. It's a whole new species, right? It's a whole new creature that God has made, and it's a spiritual creature. So you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus uh, no matter if you feel like it or not. Oh, you know, I sinned yesterday. That doesn't change the fact there's no action that you do besides renouncing your faith and choosing not to believe in Jesus. There's no action that you do that makes you not the righteousness of God in Christ. The holiness is your actions lining up with your nature. So holiness is a process it's called sanctification that God brings you through to make you holy. So the Bible says it's up to us to pursue holiness. The, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So when you seek to be in right standing with God through your actions, which is called holiness, when you pursue holiness, that's what it says it takes to please the Lord. Purity should be a part of your life. And I know we've talked about that quite a bit recently, but choosing and deciding it's not okay. I can't make excuses. Just because all my friends smoke doesn't mean I can smoke. Just because all my family drinks. Oh, you know, we're Puerto Rican. We have attitudes. We have problems with our, our, our temper. No, you choose. I am going, you know, as a Christian, you know, it's no longer, oh, I'm of this lineage or my family has this history. My friends do this. It's what did Jesus look like? And that's what, it, that's what it is. We're being renewed into the image of Christ. And so those are the things it takes. And again, there could be other things that we could add to that. But I would say those are the main ones of what it takes to be a healthy Christian. You're giving because it's about your heart. Your study of the word because it's about how you, um, the ground that you can take in the kingdom of God. Your worship because the Father seeks worshipers. Your souls because it's your eternal fruit. Pursuing peace because it's about loving your brothers. And then, and then pursuing holiness and purity in your life. I hope this has blessed you. Thanks for sharing the podcast. We love you. We'll see you on the next time.